I'm going to pray uh, and just ask the Lord to help as I as we carry on with our Ephesians series. Father, thank you so much for um, this time together. Thank you that um, things can happen in this time together, Lord, that are genuinely beyond what we what we might imagine. Um, so I want to pray for faith to to be given by the Holy Spirit. That it wouldn't just be a case of uh, getting through the next bit, but I pray that you would speak powerfully in people's lives through these words. I pray, I pray for those who are, who are slightly older. just want to pray special grace on those who are slightly older to just feel faith, Lord, that you might speak a, a powerful word. Lord, we just pray, have your way among us. We submit to you. We give you, we, we don't need it, Lord. You do what you like, but we want you, we want nevertheless to say, Lord, have your way. You have permission here to do whatever you want to do among us, Lord. Amen. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 5 is where we are now. And um, so it's only six chapters in the book. So we're kind of, I guess, getting towards the, the, the latter part of the book. Um, we, we looked a couple of weeks ago at these words from Paul about being the imitators of God. He's got to the point in the letter where he's much, he's chiefly concerned with how Christians are to live. The lifestyle of a Christian. Um, now, you can't start there with the lifestyle of a Christian. We've laboured it and we labour it every week because it's really important, particularly if you're here and you're new, that you don't get the impression that being a Christian is primarily about um, sorting your behaviour out and living right. If you were to come here and, and try to work out what does it mean to be a Christian and you came away with the impression that it was primarily about sorting yourself out, that would be a disaster. Everyone here that is Christians would be holding our head in our hands so I don't want any cake. I'm just too devastated uh, to eat cake after the service to, to think that someone came here and left thinking becoming a Christian is about sorting yourself out and trying to live well. It's not. Becoming a Christian is recognising that we've all blown it big time, um, and that there's nothing that we can do in our own power to sort ourselves out, but God in his mercy, has given Jesus not to just pay the debt for our sins, which he has done and which is extraordinary, but to begin a whole new humanity under his leadership, which rescues us out of the old humanity, which is enslaved to dark things, and bring us into a a new humanity, which is marked by light and life. That's the gospel. It's what God has done for us in Jesus that makes the way, paves the way for a revolutionary new existence as a human being under a new leader. You come out of Adam, the old leader, of the, uh, the leader of the old human race, and into Jesus. And as a result, everything's different, everything changes, including lifestyle. Yeah, so lifestyle is central, but you don't start there. You start at the cross and you realise, I can't do this. He has done it for me. And through being joined to Jesus in faith, Something incredible happens. Something dynamic and extraordinary happens through that joining in faith, whereby all that, all that he is, he gives to us freely. His resurrection life, his, the power of his Holy Spirit, his grace, as we've been hearing about in that wonderful prayer earlier, and all the things we're singing about. It's this being, you're joined to the richest, the, the most deeply, substantially rich person in the whole universe. You are joined with him to the extent the Bible says you are one spirit with him, and he gives himself to you. So that you are now charged with the very life and presence of Jesus Christ. That's the new. 
That's the light. That's the Christian life. That's new humanity. So that's the gospel. Hallelujah. Right? And that's on offer for everyone. You might say, but I've really blown it. Yes, we all have. It's for those who have blown it and for those who have really blown it. Okay? It's not about, it's not about whether or not you match up. We have all fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And then Paul, in this part of the letter, he's wanting us to understand what fits and what doesn't fit. And Richard preached brilliantly on that last week, the things that are fitting and the things that aren't. So Paul's saying, look, sexual immorality, coarse joking, all that, it just doesn't fit anymore. It's just, you, you're now light. You're now light in the Lord. Why would you want to carry on in the darkness? It doesn't, it just does not work anymore. And, and that passage ended by, by Paul saying, look, do you make sure that you're not deceived? Because the wrath of God, because of these kinds of acts, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. It's very, really, really clear. Um, now, the reason why I think he says you don't, don't be deceived is it's easy to be deceived and think, surely God won't do that. Surely God won't judge people. Um, we, know he's, we know that he is love and he is love. So surely a God who is love wouldn't judge people. And so you can find yourself thinking, oh, actually, it would be all right. Maybe it's just kind of... Some kind of vain kind of warning to keep us on our toes. Paul says, now don't be deceived. The wrath of God is coming on those who live like this. That's the reality. Um, it's not, and I, I know sometimes the church has had a bad press for seeming to be harsh or seeming to be judgmental and that kind of thing. That's not the spirit of it at all. The spirit of it is, is that when you, when you understand the truth, it's really, really important that you let people know. So that people have an opportunity, number one, to escape wrath and judgment. And number two, to, to enjoy the wonder of reconciliation with their loving Heavenly Father. And unless, unless we're truthful about it, then the other option is, is that people can stay in a kind of a false comfort where you think it's going to be all right, but it's not. And we haven't served ourselves or one another if we're like that. We've just not, we've not been loving. We've actually sort of robbed each other of the opportunity for getting right with God. So it's not, it's not unnecessarily harsh. It's not mean. It's the justice of God. It's the justice of God. And he, and, but he has made a way in his mercy to escape it. So, you know, please, if you're here, this is really serious stuff if you've never, you've never done that. Now, there's these phrases like sons of disobedience and the, the Bible uses very stark phrases. And, uh, and, and the passage today from verse seven onwards is talking Last week, it was really like, listen, Christians, this is and isn't fitting in terms of how you live. This week, it's like how you live has an impact on those around you that don't yet know Jesus. So what, what you get involved with, it's not, it's not this week about whether or not it's fitting. This week, it's about let's think about the impact of the way you live on those who are around you who don't yet know Jesus. So verse 7, therefore, don't become partners with them so he's talked about the sons of disobedience which is a term the bible uses for those who are not concerned about obeying god the son of disobedience it's, a, it's an interesting phrase the bible use sons of it basically means that's what you're marked by it's like it's like that you're in that family so the sons of disobedience are those who are not primarily concerned with obeying god and he says don't become partners with them We'll look at that in a minute. For at one time you were darkness. Anyone who's a Christian at one time was in darkness. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Sorry. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There's a lot in there. There's a whole lot in there. And um, obviously we only better drill into certain bits but i'm gonna try my best to guide you through that and just help you understand what paul is teaching okay so what i'm doing when we're preaching just unpacking the scripture this is what he's saying this is what it means so verse seven don't become partners with them some of your bible versions may say don't associate with them it's talking about those who aren't living for jesus and it says don't associate with them it's not the best translation it's not the best word the bible doesn't teach that christians should not associate with people who aren't christians that's not biblical teaching in fact this word here that might be in your bible um associate in mind it says partners it's only used one other time in the new testament and it's in the same letter and it's when paul talks about the jews and the gentiles becoming sharers together in the gospel remember that remember a few months ago we focused ephesians 2 particularly ephesians 3 on this amazing idea that through the cross god has brought together the two most hostile people groups on the planet jews and gentiles he's brought them together and he's made them one new man in christ they've become sharers in the gospel you remember that So it's that word. So what Paul is saying is this. He's saying, don't share in those things. Don't, don't, don't get involved with the things, the dark things that people do who don't believe in Jesus. See, all of us naturally love the darkness, Jesus says. There's something about us. If we shouldn't do it, you think, hmm, why not? Mm -hmm, Maybe I want to do a bit more now. There's something in us, in all of us, that it's, there's something appealing about the, that which is not allowed, that which is not, not right. We, whether it's, it's not just sexual stuff. I think people immediately go to that. It's all kinds of things. It could be around money, possessions, just the way you are in the relationships, the way you think about life. But there's a darkness that appeals to a part of us. And Paul's saying, listen, don't, don't partner with that stuff anymore that the things you used to entertain the the kind of things that you used to used to get involved with to sort of titillate that part of you that loves the darkness listen don't don't run headlong anymore into those things and he unpacks it he says at one time you were darkness but now you are light in the lord so walk as children of the light saying you're not who you were it used to be actually fitting for you to do dark stuff because you're in the darkness. But now the light of Jesus has shone on you. And the whole argument he's going to make through this letter is, is that when the light shines on something, it becomes light. I mean, that works in the natural, doesn't it? You switch the lights on, everything, oh, it brightens everything up, it becomes light. So when you're in Christ, who is the light of the world, and you let him shine on you when you welcome him into your life to be Lord of your life, he as the light shines on you and you become light. It's like everything that was hidden and that you were trying to sort of control or, or keep away. You just said, Jesus, I'm all yours. Here I am. And you bring it out. And because of the mercy of God and because of the cross, instead of being destroyed, actually, you just get transformed into light. Isn't it wonderful? 
It's like, wow, look at what's happened. I've, I've just brought myself just as I am with all the muck and all the shame and all the, and I've just said, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me, here I am. And he shines with his amazing light and you think, I've been, I'm now, I've been made into someone who's light in the Lord, in Christ. I am now light. So you can live with your, you can live with, he lifts your head up. The Bible says he's your glory and the lifter of your head, he removes the shame. All that, all that shame, you think, oh, my, my head's down. No, he's your glory and the lifter of your head. Why? Because he's the light and he brings you into the light. And you're not spending your life thinking, when am I going to be found out? I'm sure you've all heard that story, haven't you? I've, I've told it once or twice during sermons where, you know, someone thought it would be a funny idea to ring up ten people and just simply, anonymously, and simply say to them, I know what you've done and I'm going to tell everyone. I think all of them had left town by the next day. <laughs> he didn't know anything about them. He just thought he'd ring them up and just say that. But it brings home this sense of, you know, you can live with things. You think, oh, if people knew that. See, when you're a Christian, what you do, you come before God who is holy. But because of the cross, you can come and say, this is it, Lord. I'm not proud of this. <laughs> but this is me. And if you'll accept me as I am, I'll follow you. And you know what? He cleanses you, forgives you, cleans your conscience. So you're no longer living thinking, when am I going to be found out? It's just, it's the gospel. Isn't it great? We can confess our sins to him, speak freely. We can confess our sins to one another. So you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And then he says, the fruit of light is found in all that is um, good and right and true. It's not vague. Light bears fruit. Light manifests itself in good things. Light manifests itself in a righteous lifestyle. Light manifests itself in tr- being true, being truthful, living, uh, living life, no longer sort of ducking and diving, trying to put a spin on this, but you can be truthful now. Why? Because that's the fruit of being in the light. You're no longer afraid. You're no longer gripped by this fear. You can just be who you are. It's wonderful. It's his gospel freedom. It just manifests. It's not about self-righteousness. It's the opposite from self-righteousness. It's like, so, I mean, no, self-righteousness is such a false security. It's, it, it's a house of cards. This is a robust righteousness. The very righteousness of Jesus given to me as a gift. I can live by. This is the good news of the gospel. But then he says this, try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. This is fascinating. Try and discern or prove, work out what's pleasing to the Lord. There is effort involved as a Christian working out how can I please Jesus. You know that. That's normal. There are situations that come up, you think, ah, how do I how do I walk this one? Paul says, try and discern. Prove it, work it out. It's going to take some effort working out that which is pleasing to the Lord. Did you know the aim of the Christian life is to please the Lord? Did you know that? In fact, it's so radical that in another letter Paul wrote, he says, we make it our ambition in all things to please him. In fact, he goes further. He says, whether I'm here in the body or whether I'm away from the body and with the Lord, i.e. whether I've gone to be with him, whether I'm here or there, I make it my ambition to please him in all things. So even, Paul's even thinking ahead to when he's face to face with the Lord, he's saying even then, the driving factor of my life will be pleasing him. Pleasing the Lord is, a, is, the, is the central Christian ambition, the central Christian motivation, bringing pleasure to his heart. That's the most natural thing in the world, isn't it? If he is the lover of your soul, if, if you are his beloved and he is your beloved, surely the most natural thing in the world is you want to please him, don't you? Yeah. That's just the most natural thing. It's not a, it's not a, 
It's not a horrible slavish kind of, oh, I don't please him, so I better do all I can to try and please him. No, you've known his favour and you've known his grace undeserved in your life. You've known that he smiled on you by giving you his only son, even though you didn't deserve it. But actually, but out of that, what springs forth is, I want to just please you, Lord. And it does take effort to work out how to do that. It does. And actually, it's, if you're a Christian, it should be the most normal thing in the world to be part of your life is working out in difficult situations. You don't know how to navigate it. How can I please the Lord? That's normal. So to read your Bible, to work out, to search the scriptures, to, to, to go to others for counsel and advice, others who are spiritually more mature than you, to read good articles on, online or get good books so you can learn and grow. That is the normal Christian life. That is you working out, how can I live a life that's pleasing to you, Jesus? That should be as natural as breathing. That kind of rigour, as natural as breathing. Because the ambition of our life is to please him. And there should be nothing blasé in our heart about that. Nothing like that. No, no. We want to work out. And life is complex, isn't it? Life, there are issues of conscience, things come up in the workplace, things come up in family life, things come up situationally, you think, oh, what, what does it look, what would Jesus do in this situation? Jesus, what are you doing in this situation? And th- th- it, that is life. And so to be able to learn that, that practice of getting counsel, of, of being sort of getting familiar with the scripture, learning to lean on him in the moment, say, Lord, what do I do now? And pray, God, show me what to do. That is, that's how we live as Christians. It's not, it's not burdensome, it's not a heavy thing, but it's, it, it does involve rigour and effort. And I don't want us to shy away from that. He says, take no part, verse 11, in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. What does it mean by expose them? It's fascinating. Well, I think part of what he's saying here is by not getting involved in certain things, you will expose them. As a Christian, there will be times where you say, do you know what? No. In work, extra work stuff, things that are going on. When you say no, I'm not going to do that, I'm not comfortable with that, or I'd just would rather not. What the, that, that has a power to expose it. Now, let's talk about this, because... Uh, a little bit of modern, recent church history. Recent church history, 1950s, round and before, the general idea as a Christian is you don't touch the world. Don't go, just, you know, everything's worldly that's not church. So don't, don't go near it. Um, and what you ended up with was Christian ghettos. Just Christians just went to Christian church meetings and never really uh, did anything outside of church stuff and, and was kind of, a, I guess, in an in a, in a unhelpful way, afraid of touching the world in terms of, oh, I might get contaminated in in an unhelpful, fearful way. And that was noted and people started saying, this doesn't look like Jesus. Jesus, when he came, he was accused of being a friend of sinners and a glutton and a drunkard because he would go to places where the religious people said, don't go there. And he would actually be found there and he was very controversial as a result. So we need to be in these places doing these things. So typically what churches often do is they often react in in extreme ways. So over the last few decades, the teaching has very much been, no, get into the world, show show everyone that, you know, that we're just like them. Uh, Problem is, is that we're not. (laughs) We're not. And so you get another extreme reaction where you end up with churches that just uh, really can't, don't know how to say no, because they're terrified of being perceived as judgmental, terrified of of being perceived as being self-righteous. 
And so don't no, no longer know how to say no to certain things. But you have to if you're a Christian. You have to be able to say, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Peter talks in his letter. He says, he says the people that you're around, they're surprised that you won't, you won't get involved in their drinking parties and their orgies. And, that, 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 and as a result, they malign you and they insult you. Because that, Christians say no to certain things. Because they're Christians. And so it's really important that if we're going to grow to maturity, that we're able to be fully engaged in, in, with the world that we're living in. Like Jesus was. Absolutely. But really clear about what we won't do. That we don't become almost, how can I put it, a slave, I guess, to what people think of us. That actually we're not being driven by love, but driven by fear. Just want to fit in. It's not good. It's not good. You know, there's a real liberty in learning how to die to yourself. Do you know that? When you learn how to die to yourself, you can then love people. Because you're not loving them thinking, I wonder what you'll think of me. Will you like me? You're loving them because you're just loving them because God loves them. So you're not a slave to what will people think of me. You're not driven by that. If you're being driven by that, you'll make the bad calls. You'll make the wrong decisions because it's just it's it's a it's not a pure Holy Spirit heart position. It's just a, it's a slavery to fear. The Bible says you've been released from that. God's adopted you. You and His family. You haven't you haven't got to be a slave to what people think of you. So you're now released to love people. Which means you will find yourself probably in the darkest of places, but you will not be doing what people do. Does that make sense? That's maturity. So you're able to say, no, I'm going to give that one a miss. But I really want to love you and I really, want to, I really do want to learn how to serve you and be in relationship. That's Christian maturity. That's what it looks like. That's what he's saying. But it's, there are those moments where when, when someone says do this and you say no, it, what it is, you, you do it graciously, but it just shines a light on the fact this is dark. So it, bring, it exposes it. Well, what happens then? Well, let's see what happens then. Paul goes on, it's shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. It's good to have a childlike innocence. Did you know that? Paul says, in regards to knowledge and understanding and being mature, in regards to evil, be like kids. You don't need to know the details of what the dark things people are up to. You don't. It will not equip or arm you in any way as an, in an effective witness. You don't. It's not true. It's another fallacy I've heard in Christian circles. You've got to know. No, you don't. You really don't. And it probably, actually, if you, if you, there is a, you got to, can't be naive. There's a vulnerability. We're, take, take care if you think you stand lest you fall. If you want to get into reading about all kinds of stuff, what's, what people are into, real dark stuff, just, just be careful. It's got power. Just, just be careful. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not sort of advocating a kind of a bizarre na- naivety, but I'm not. I'm also saying you do not need to know the details of the darkest things people are doing in order to love them and share Jesus with them. You don't. So there's a, there's a good innocence that God's calling us to. It's a good thing. But when anything is exposed by the light, listen, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So what he's saying is this. Actually, for some people, by your act of, of being in the world, but not of it, it's going to shine light on the darkness. And it's going to act. It's going to act, in this, it's going to act as, if, as if you're saying, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. For some, it will mean their salvation. Why? Because they are around a holy Christian. They're around a Christian who's genuinely loving, genuinely gracious, genuinely holy. And for some, the Bible says that's going to smell not good. (laughs) It's going to smell like death. Others, it'll be the aroma of life. And they'll say, I want this. 
it is not it is not biblical teaching that the more you show you're like people, the more saved they'll get. It's just not. You might think I'm, you, some of you might be sitting there thinking, I'm, I'm, this, "This is complicated. What, what about this? What about that?" Yeah, <laughs> try and discern what's pleasing to the Lord. He says, "He says, first fifteen. Listen, look carefully. Then how you walk. Be careful. Give thought. Reflect. Don't just charge into stuff. Some people have a situation comes up. They have a little monologue with themselves and then charge headlong in. It's like you've only spoken to yourself. The Bible says, in the abundance of counselors, there's victory." There's, there's good counsel around. There's time to reflect and pray. Sometimes we are forced to make a quick decision. In that moment, there is grace from God. Pray and act. But the majority of the time, when there's pressure, it's kind of imposed. We haven't got to yield to it. You can take time. Think through the best way to act. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise. Not as unwise, but as wise. Wisdom is different from knowledge. <laughs> Knowledge, I can know a load of stuff, but wisdom is about the decisions I'm going to make and the way I'm going to live my life. That's wisdom. You can live in two ways. You can know the gospel and live unwisely. You can know the gospel and live wisely. Paul is saying here, look carefully how you walk. Not unwise, but wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Make the best use of the time. Redeem the time, some of the versions say. Days we're living in our evil days. I'm really just, I'm just unpacking what you're saying. Don't be foolish. He says again, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There it is again. So it's, you've got discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Then you've got look carefully how you walk. And then on the final verse, it says, understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, what is the will of the Lord in this situation? Well, understand. Well, how? Well, discern what's pleasing to him. It's not, it, it, it's not just like, well, give me, give me the package with the answers. Yeah? Give me the, you know, the pack. We want the pack, don't we? Give me the pack. This situation, what, what letter does it start with in the alphabet? There, what do, I, what do I do there? That's not mature Christian living. Mature Christian living is learning how to walk with the Lord and please Him. Learning how, even through the very process of what's going on, you mature. God, he doesn't just want you, we get fixated on, I've got a dilemma, what's the right solution? Whereas God is saying, I want to teach you 101 things through how you walk through this. I want, I, want to te- I want to make you into the man or woman I've called you to be. As you walk through this, learn to really pray, learn to, learn to go for counsel, learn not to give way to your fears or your lusts, learn to trust me in it. Learn to, learn to understand your own motivations through this thing that this circumstance has thrown up. This is, this is Christian living. This is Christian living. And it's, as long as you're single-minded, as long as you've decided, I'm about pleasing Jesus, it's not a burden. If you've got more than one master, it's a terrific burden. Because <laughs> it's just winding you up. You think it's just annoying. But it's annoying you because you've basically got two things you're trying to serve or more. If you know what you're about, I'm about pleasing him. That's actually really radical. To be a one thing person. So actually when it's all said and done, what I'm about is hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm about. Now that's, that's a daily decision. It's, it, 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 is, it is something that you have to nail. If you've never nailed it, it's something that you have to say, do you know what? It, and I do, as I was preparing today, I felt the Lord 
say that there are some here. It's like you're, you, to all intents and purposes, you are a Christian, but you've never, you've never had that moment where you've said, I'm going to embrace this, um, I'm going to embrace in a very concrete way this biblical command, if you like, to go for broke for Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to embrace this so, so that when people say things in the Bible like, I just want to know him, that I can, I can say and sing that as well. That, that when Paul says to live is Christ, I can say that as well. I feel that for some today, this is a bit of a moment for you to do that. And it will revolutionize your walk with God. Because suddenly you know what you're about. You, you're about him. Which is kind of, it's obvious that's Christianity 101. I know. <laughs> But there's something very radical about it. But even once you've done that, there's a daily decision as various things crop up in life that either really play into our fears or really play into our lusts and longings where we've got to make that decision again. That's Christian rigor. It's okay. And actually, as we learn to embrace that and let that grow us, we become mature, godly people. And this is really what Paul is getting at here. How we conduct ourselves in the world is incredibly, incredibly important. Do not be foolish. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I, w- I wanted to do a little bit of Q&A at the end of this one. Just for a few minutes and then... Oh, oh gosh, I thought I preached for short, but I haven't. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> I not do that, it's 20 to 5. Um, can the band come up? <laughs> Yeah. I do, I, do have a, I do have a question. Okay. Let's do Q&A then. <laughs> I just, if you could just kind of help us practically. How, how does that work into the context of church and family? The whole journey, journeying through those kinds of tough decisions that you're facing and you think, oh my goodness, I, I really don't know what to do. Church and family. And how, how does that fit in? What would you advise for someone who's in that position? What position? Where they have to make a tough choice, whether they should... And they're not sure whether it was the right thing or, or, or the wrong thing, but they just don't know. What, what would you advise me? How, how can they bring that within the church context to be able to... Is it just gather people? What do you mean by church and family, just so I know like what you mean? How, how does that work with brothers and sisters? Actual brothers and sisters. In Christ. Christian brothers and sisters. <laughs> Sorry. Us elders, we communicate really clearly. We really understand what another's saying. Maybe it's the question, so accountability... Yeah. Um, you know, Proverbs says a wise man seeks counsel. Yeah. Is that, uh, would, would your advice be actually build yourself in the church around good people who, who can have an influence and who can speak into your life? Yeah. So that when you are facing certain things, yeah. you're able to say, guys, pray with me, stand yeah. with me. Yeah. And yeah. Just, I mean, outside of that. That's no, good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess things like, you know, running partners and. Running partners are there to help keep each other sharp where we can pray and talk about things in life that come up. Which is like prayer partners of two, three groups of two, three or four. I think I would say this as well, though, that, you know, there's not loads of people in the church that are very old. I know that. But there are probably, if there are some that, are, that you would consider to be a bit more mature than you, to, to just know that you've got access to them. You know, you haven't, doesn't mean you're living in their, in their pocket, you know, the whole time. But you know that if something comes up, you've got access to them. You can, you can talk to them. They, they will help you it's really important it's what pastors sort of there for really in part it's just helping shepherd with that i just think the isolated christian life is so you're gonna you're gonna you will make foolish decisions 
You know, I, 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 I have people, people speaking into my life weekly. Weekly. Yeah, people are, weekly people are affecting the way I see things and helping me. Yeah, and, and that, 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 that's just really healthy. Is that the sort of thing you mean? Yeah, just absolute. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of community. Don't be afraid of relationships. Don't be afraid. Sometimes we're afraid because people might say something we don't want to hear. It's hard when people say something you don't want to hear, isn't it? It's really hard. You think, oh. <laughs> and you can, you can surround yourself with people that are going to just say yes. Um, I will be honest, I've been a little bit troubled a few times when I, I've spoken to people about a situation that you think, God, this is clearly, this isn't good what's going on here. And they said, oh, I've spoken to people in the church and they've all said it's fine. And you think, oh, what? What's, what, why? What's happened there? I think sometimes we can, we don't want to be false prophets to each other, do we? Where we say peace, peace, but there isn't any. That's not loving. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to learn to, if we feel a concern for a brother or sister, to be able to gently approach it and say, look, I'm just feeling, a, can we just talk? It's not a heavy, you know, you haven't got to make it heavy, but just, we get helped by that, don't we? Gosh, you know, we all have so many blind spots. So, and God help us in that. Okay, so should we stand and I'm going to pray. Sorry, it's a mic. <laughs> I didn't know what that was, first of all, either. Uh, all right. Um, Lord, Lord Jesus, we... You know, Lord, you love this world, Lord, so much. You died for it. And, and, and Lord, we, we, we love. We just we, we love and care for the people in the world, Lord. And those of us in this room today that are believers, we, we want our, our, our lives to be full of light. And we want them to shine and... We want it to cause many to, to, to wake up and have Christ shine on them. That's what we long for, Lord. Please help us. I pray for any in the room who have never known the light of Christ. have never known it. Lord, that they today would know it as they turn to you. They today would know the light of Christ. Bring your darkness. Bring it. You know, bring it. Bring your muck. Bring your rubbish. Bring it. The Bible says as you bring it and you confess it, you just honest about it and you say, Lord, I don't want this anymore. The Bible says he will forgive and cleanse you. He won't judge you. The day of judgment is coming, but it's not here now. Today is the day of salvation. It's the day of rescue. It's the day of mercy. It's the day of cleansing. It's the day of, it's, it's, the day, it's that day. Come on. <laughs> don't, don't hold back. Don't hold back. We just say, let every, every deceptive thought be broken in people's minds and hearts. In Jesus' name, that we would come, come to the light, I pray. Amen. What I'm going to do is we sing this first song. I'm not going to ask us to come to the fruit of the gap. As we sing this first song, if you just know you want to come to the light, either for the first time or just in a fresh way, or there's something you say, you know what, I want to know the freedom of dying to myself so I can actually love people. You know, all, things that I've said that you know you just want to, you want to just settle it before God. As we sing this song, you're not coming towards me. I'll be over there singing somewhere. Just come and kneel before the Lord in this space. Just come and kneel before the Lord and just, you're saying, Jesus, I'm in business. Amen.